It is great to be with you this morning. As we get into God's Word, we're in the book of Ephesians. We are in the first chapter, uh, just really getting going here good. We've actually spent the whole week uh, in this chapter. In fact, uh, last last Friday and uh, then... Uh, all this week so far, we've been in the first chapter. I, I do anticipate uh, finishing out the first chapter today, and uh, so we'll be ready to get into chapter two next week. There's just been so much there, and I, I hope, I mean, you know, leave some comments there. What, what have been your thoughts so far, those of you that have traveled with me this week in the book of uh, Ephesians? I mean, uh, any thoughts you have, any responses, any reactions to uh, to what we have looked at, what we've talked about so far this week? I'd love to get some of your reactions, uh, ways that this has prompted you, ways that you've been encouraged, those types of things. Just love to have a little conversation going on uh, over in the comments for those of you that are here during the live uh, the live hour this morning. We'd just love to uh, have that uh, have your comments. I say hour. It's be whatever length of time it will be, uh, maybe less than an hour, uh, usually not more than an hour. Uh, I'm trying to aim for between 30 to 45 minutes, but we teach what the text has for us. So I'm going to pick back up where I left off yesterday because uh, I think it's it, this is a critical uh, doctrine 
uh, that we need to make sure and understand properly, and the, the doctrine of uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, uh, something that is irrevocable. When the when the Spirit seals us uh, into uh, into Christ, when He seals us into the body of Christ, when He seals us into the family of believers, uh, it, it is irrevocable. I mean, it will not go away. It will not change. Uh, it is there. It is permanent. So Ephesians one thirteen said this: You also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, again, to the praise of God's glory. Just to to, to think of that phrase, uh, to the praise of God's glory. I mean, that would be a great way to, to uh, uh, finalize uh, a conversation. Yes, to the praise of God's glory. Or when you complete a task, uh, to say to the praise of God's glory. Uh, but backing up before that... You heard the word of truth, the necessity of hearing the truth, the gospel, uh, the gospel of salvation, the gospel of the necessity of turning from self to Christ, of turning from sin to to Christ, to seeking the forgiveness of God, uh, seeking the uh, inviting Jesus to, to become your Savior and trusting your eternal destination to him. That is the gospel of your salvation. And then it says this, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, just again, we covered this yesterday, but I think it's so important for us to understand the permanence of this, this the, the guarantee, the word guarantee. Uh, it's better than a guarantee that you can get here on earth. It is an unfailing, unspoiling uh, unchanging guarantee of the inheritance that you will gain the inheritance in, in, in the totality of the redemption of the consummation. Uh, you will gain that inheritance of those who are God's possession. You And the thought, the final thought that I, I want to look at here, if you see at the end of verse 14, you are God's possession. You are possessed by God. God owns you. Uh, God uh, possesses you. Uh, you are you are His treasure. You are His workmanship. You are all of these things. So, the Holy Spirit, again, confirming that you are God's possession. Now, sometimes we, as God's possessions, can can do things that maybe we might think are disappointing. We might do things that we might think are sinful. We might do things that we um, maybe are contrary to the ways of God. That doesn't change the fact that we are still God's possession. It just, it just, it, the fact is we are God's possession, but we messed up, period. And what do we do about the mess up? We've said it before. Say it again. When you mess up, you fess up. It's that simple. You mess up, you fess up. And um, 
God's promise to us. We, we've talked about this yesterday. I've talked about it numerous times. First John 1 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That is what God does. So you confess to God and God forgives. God cleanses. In fact, we talked about this yesterday. Not only does God cleanse and forgive he removes our transgressions uh, as far uh, from us as far as the east is from the west. Now you say, okay, in twenty four thousand miles, roughly, I'm going to meet back up with my sin. No, if if the earth were flat and infinite, and your sin went to the to the east and you went to the west, you would never ever meet up again. That is the point that God is making. That when you confess it to Him, and He cleanses you of that sin, uh, He forgets about it, and you should too. Uh, I, I was plagued one time in my life by a particular sin, and I just thought, how can I even be a Christian and be this way and do these things? And and, and yet God, uh, through a mentor, through another Christian, helped me to understand the fact that it was bothering me as an indicator of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, indicating, yes, you are a Christian. But then that mentor also said, you know, when you, when you confess it to God, uh, the Bible says that he cleanses and forgives. He washes the stain away. So I want to encourage any of you today who wrestle with, you know, am I really God's child? Well, this says here in these verses that there's he is the deposit. He, the Holy Spirit, is the deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. Uh, and elsewhere, we, we've read about the, the cleansing work, and I just quoted for you again uh, 1 John 1 9, you can go back to Psalm 103, a couple of different passages like that. Uh, and, and today, wake up and say, okay, Lord, I'm a, I'm a, it's a new day. I'm a clean person. I'm going to walk with you today. I just want to encourage you to do that. The Holy Spirit is upon you. The indwelling, He indwells you, He lives within you. Now, there are two things that we can do with the Holy Spirit. One is referenced in Ephesians chapter four. Perhaps I should take you there and show you this because there's there's a there's much confusion on this. Some people think the Holy Spirit comes and goes. Well, the Bible doesn't seem to indicate that the Holy Spirit comes and goes. The Holy Spirit, I mean, the Bible indicates that the Holy Spirit comes and stays in the life of the believer. wasn't so in the Old Testament era, but it is so now in the New Testament era. However, we can, uh, we can quench the Spirit and we can grieve the Spirit. So let me let me take you over to chapter 4 here in the book of Ephesians and just show you this one verse. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. God would not put into this same verse th this aspect of sealing uh, and the aspect of grieving unless what he's trying to communicate to us is, look, your salvation is permanent, but but you you, you, you can still go off the rails. You can still do things that the Holy Spirit's going, <clears throat> don't do that. And the, the Spirit's trying to set us up, give us ways out of the temptations. We don't take the ways out, so we grieve the Holy Spirit uh, in that sense. To grieve, I mean, to simplify the, this idea of grieving, you can say the idea of you make him sad. You make him sad. I mean, it's like, oh, 
told you not to do that. Uh, you did it. Not that the Holy Spirit is ever frustrated. I, I, I don't believe that is the case. But to grieve, it's like he's he's perhaps saddened at at the choice that we might make to to grieve him by by doing things he is trying to aid us in not doing. Now, there is another passage that, that I can take us to that uh, that I will bring up and show you another term, and I want us to understand three concepts, indwelling of the Spirit, uh, th- then the ability that we have to uh, grieve the Spirit as we just looked at here. And over in the book of First Thessalonians, Chapter 5, verse 19, we read these words, And do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. And do not treat prophecies with contempt. Whoa. Don, we've got something going on there in... uh, YouTube for you to get on top of if you're not, uh, uh, if you're over there, check it out. So anyway, uh, here we are. We've got, uh, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but even more than that, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not quench the Spirit. That is that is what we are being told. Do not quench. In other words, he's trying to get you to do something. He's revving you up. He's charging you up. He's getting you He's getting you set to go and uh, uh, get. he's empowering you to serve, then you don't do it. Uh, that, that is to put out the Spirit's fire. Uh, the Spirit's fire do not treat prophecies. Now, again, this word prophecies, I'm right now looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 20. Do not, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Um, a couple different aspects of prophecies. Prophecy could be the teaching of the Word of God that we can teach, that we can treat the teaching of the Word of God with contempt. By contempt, it means just by not listening to it. Uh, prophecies could be new truth that perhaps... Or, is being spoken. And now, when I say new truth, uh, it's that truth should always go along with the Word of God, uh, and that truth often is is perhaps a revelation reinforcing Scripture. Uh, there are those who are very open to lots of new prophecy. Uh, then there are those who who are totally closed off that there is no. Uh, that there is no uh, new prophecy uh, of, of new revelation that's being given. Uh, some believe that all the prophecy that needs to be given is given in the in the totality of the scriptures. Where do I lean on that? Uh, I, I tend to lean the direction. Uh, I, I don't go as far as saying I believe it is all only in the Bible. I do think that God can reveal some things sometimes to people. Um, I, I just, I, I think that that is a reality. However, uh, I, I am also one who uh, does not believe that, um, I am also one who does not believe that there is the steady flow of those things. Now, sometimes it, it, it's it's a sense, it's a sense. I'm sensing something's going to happen within your family. I mean, someone came to me, oh, I don't know, uh, 
a few weeks before uh, we got the, the sad news about Gary Sheldon's uh, brother here in our church uh, situation, and, and he is a pillar of the community, a pillar of church, and, and uh, I mean, what they said to me, I mean, could that be the news? It, oftentimes, it, it's, it's, it's maybe an insight into something, um, but it is not adding to, I do not believe that the new revelation in any way, shape or form has the, um, has the force of scripture, what we have of scripture. Now, it's being brought up over in the comments here. Uh, you do not add, it's interesting. Here is one of the things we have to wrestle with the, 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 uh, concept of not, um, the concept of not adding to the word of God, actually, that was said in the book of Deuteronomy, and yet we ended up with the books of history. Uh, we ended up with the um, prophetical books of the Old Testament. We uh, ended up with an entire New Testament. Uh, however, when I believe that when God does say it in the end of Revelation chapter 22, and this is something for those who may listen, who who may be uh, heavily into the, this idea of fresh new prophecies. Uh, let me see if I can find that verse for you, uh, because you have to wrestle with this. Uh, back at the conclusion of... Uh, back at the conclusion of the presidential election, there are all these people saying, or leading up to the election, all these people that were supposedly prophets who were saying, you know, that Trump would remain president. Well, they were all wrong. Uh, what do you do with that? Um, well, in the Old Testament era, if they were proven wrong, you take them out and stone them. Well, now what they do is they slip sideways on it and say something. So, it, you know, I... I Eileen, give me the word of God. Give me what is in, in black and white, the print of scripture, uh, and, and then insight to application, insight to implications in that. Uh, and we can be very solidly convicted and very solidly convinced that we absolutely know that that is the word of God. Some actually have experienced, uh, for those of you that, that maybe lean the direction of, of the fresh prophetical there are some that i know uh, who are listeners who have seen that go very badly uh in in their situations and abusively and um so the, the safe thing hold to the word of god uh don't be looking for for fresh new revelations uh, be, be, what what does the word of god say i mean I, I can hear the holy spirit saying you want more stuff and you don't even do anything with the stuff i've already given you You want more truth you want more prophecy and yet you ignore my word uh, no uh no now here is that verse I, I want to just talk about because it's come up in the comments this morning, and so I, I want to uh, look at that verse with you. It's in Revelation chapter 22. It says this, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in in this book. Now, some would say that this is referencing specifically uh, 
just this book. It is referencing specifically just the book of Revelation, what, what, what was revealed to John. Some would say that they take verses 18 and 19 that way because there is language here that does say, uh, here the, the words of the prophecy of this book. It is a tension. It, it definitely is a tension. Uh, and uh, let me find for you the the verse. Uh, let me get over here. You don't need to watch that. Uh, let me find for you the verse. Um. So over in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, do not add to what I command you and do not subtract uh, from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I gave you even there. I mean, how much do we not follow through on and uh, and not do? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 32 uh, says this, see that, see that you do not, See that you do all I command you and do not add or take away from it. So there are places in the Old Testament that says do not add to, do not take away from, and yet we added to the rest of the Old Testament and the entirety of the New Testament. Uh, but then we have this in the book of Revelation. Uh, my conclusion on it is that I do think sometimes God can reveal things to people sometimes. Um but but I, I I always hold a yellow flag, and, uh, and and frankly, among our listeners, we have we have people in both camps here, uh, those who who completely believe that there is nothing ever new, uh, that the Holy Spirit reveals. Now, new in in the sense that that maybe is more acceptable to me is new in the sense of. Uh, Something can happen, but but not with the force of Scripture. There are those groups that treat it with the force of Scripture, and I have watched the abuse of that, uh, where where people hold it. Uh, well, the Lord showed me this, and you have to do it. Whew, wow, um, and, and I've seen that abused, and I know others here have seen abuse. But yet, there are also those who who live within that tension in in, in a healthy place. Uh, and those that say, I don't, I, I steer clear completely of all of that. Um, just give me the Bible. And I, I tend to lean the direction. I prefer the Bible. I prefer the scriptures. I prefer someone to sit down and say, let me show you a passage of scripture uh, because God has given us his word to direct us. And, and as has been said in the comments, the Holy Spirit uh, was promised in the book of John to continue to, to remind us of all the things that Jesus had said. However, let me say this also. Um, the rest of the New Testament, in fact, none of the New Testament had been written when those words were said. The writings of Paul had not been written. The writings of 1 Peter had not been written. The writings of John had not been written. Matthew, Mark, Luke, the book of Acts, none of that had been written when those words were uttered by Jesus. So we have to think about when those um, when that was said and what was meant by that. Uh we did not have what we call our Bible that we have today until 
uh, three or, or, or four centuries later uh, before the, the early church fathers came together and concluded this, we believe this to be scripture and this not to be scripture. So we look back and think we've always had the Bible. Well, no, the Bible has unfolded. Uh, it, the, the Bible itself unfolded over 1,500 years. Uh, and then the canonization of that Bible did not come until a few hundred years, three, four hundred, five hundred years later. I don't remember exactly when that council was. Um, so, and one person saying no, no, uh, new opinions on Scripture, but no new Scripture. I mean, there there might be new insights. I, I tend to be one who thinks that that what God has said there is truly only one correct interpretation of Scripture. Uh, where that gets fuzzy is in places where there is metaphorical language. Uh, however, even even many of the prophecies that that are given. In the Old Testament, that, that are use imagery like Daniel's statue and things of that nature. I mean, he goes on himself and explains in certain measure or history unfolds for us what those things meant. So I, we, we wrestle with these things. For, for those believers out there who listen, who, who lean on the direction uh, of uh, always looking for fresh new prophecy, uh, we love you. For those that uh, hold out that there is nothing ever new, we love you, and we need to learn to love one another, but to keep Christ central always and, and to lean on, stand on uh, the firmness of the Word of God is the primary vehicle for the teaching of the truth of God. I hope that makes sense because I, I live in that tension myself with, with with believers, people whom I love deeply, and uh, uh, people whom I love deeply, and on both sides of that equation. And I want to continue to love and, and appreciate and, and, and be impacted by those people. However, I have people that I know that, that go to extremes on those things. And uh, um, I, I believe that becomes problematic in the body of Christ. Now, one person says, if it's not in the Bible, it's not true. Atoms are not in the Bible, but atoms are true. Um, the elements, uh, as as it were, I mean, it mentions the it mentions the elements, but it doesn't mention specifically atoms. Uh, there, there is truth that is not in the Bible. Um, scientific truth, mathematical truth, uh, truth. Uh, I mean, the, the Bible doesn't say that man would go to the moon, yet we did, uh, and that is truth. Uh, but foundational truth, saving truth, directional truth for the Christian life, uh, because the Bible doesn't speak on, on every topic. So a person saying, I, I'm referring to the Word of God or people that want to hold things to that level as the teaching of God. I think that's what, what you're saying. If we want to say this is the teaching of God, let's find it from the Bible. Uh, I, I think I'd get a thumbs up on that, that, okay, uh, Others who, who want to give teaching that, well, God showed me this or God showed me that. Well, God shows me things all the time, too, in the Word of God. And uh, I spent uh, the entirety of the day yesterday in, in the study of the Word of God. Uh, I've been listening, been reading, preparing as we prepare to launch into First 
First uh, Timothy this weekend, a whole new study, which kind of relates to what we've been studying in Ephesus. Anyway, the work of the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't intend to go this direction. Sometimes the, the comments and the conversation will take us that direction. The Word of God is, is what is solid. The Word of God is what is enduring. Uh, we're told in uh, what is it, First Peter chapter 1, I think it's verse 25, the word of the Lord endureth forever. Is that right, Walter? Uh, I think that's the passage. It, it was it was on the marquee out in the corner of 901 Eden Road uh, for years. I don't know if it's still there or not at a Lancaster Bible College. Uh, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And that's that that is the most sure thing. The Bible, the most sure thing. And um, so anyway, uh, let me take us back over to the book of Ephesians. I want to move us on uh, into this prayer that is in the book of Ephesians chapter one down after this. So there's the indwelling of the spirit. One more concept I got to cover, I guess. I should cover the concept. There's the teaching, the, the guiding of the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about, uh, the Holy Spirit giving us the word of God. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter one, we talked about the indwelling nature of the Holy Spirit. We talked how we can quench the spirit, how we can grieve the spirit. Ephesians chapter four. Five, one other concept that I want us to hit, and we will hit this again when we get to chapter five. Uh, it says this uh, in verse 18. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I, I, I could say, do not be controlled by any substance, but by the Spirit of God. That that might be a fair uh, implication, a fair application of what is being said here. Some would, would take this to, to mean you, you do not drink wine. No, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And I would say, don't don't do anything that, that leads to debauchery. Don't do anything that leads you outside the control of the Holy Spirit. The idea of being filled with the Spirit uh, is the idea um, where, where the Spirit controls your life. He controls your life in, in ways that you would serve. He controls your life in in ways that you would live. He, he enables you to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, which you find over in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I might have left one out there, but you get the idea. Uh, you can go back and look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 and see what it has to say there. When you allow the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit's controlling your life, you are going to demonstrate that fruit. Ah, let me take you over there. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Um, I may have to retitle this when we're all done today. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Uh, let, me, let me go to verse 18. It says... Uh, if you are led by the Spirit, not under the law. Now, then it says in verse 19, uh, Galatians chapter 5, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, uh, idolatry, witchcraft. Yes, witchcraft is listed here. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, if they're living like this, it might be an indicator that maybe they're really not saved. All those things. Now, verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we could ask ourselves this question. If I am not if I am not demonstrating these types of things, if there isn't a whole lot of love there, not a whole lot of joy there, not a whole lot of peace there, not not a whole lot of patience, not a whole lot of kindness, not a whole lot of goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control, then we may understand that we're not living under the Spirit's control. We are not filled with the Holy Spirit. But when we yield our lives, when we confess our sins, when we are cleansed of our sins, but when we yield our lives to the Holy Spirit, we will demonstrate because it's not it isn't us conjuring up love it isn't us conjuring up joy it isn't us conjuring up peace it is the fruit of the spirit it it is something it is derivative it is a byproduct of the spirit's control in our life that we demonstrate love it is it is a byproduct of the holy spirit's control in our life that we have joy it is a a byproduct the spirit's control in our life that we have peace and kindness and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control the holy spirit brings those things if those things are not in our lives we can stop right there and go i'm not i'm not in the control of the holy spirit let me give let me give you a, uh, an example you ever kind of get uh, internally flipped out and maybe even uh, externally expressive when there's a long line. <sighs> Come on, cry it out loud. <sighs> you know, and, and you're at the grocery store or something like that. And and you watch people like that. I mean, I've been people like that. Uh, in that moment, guess what? We're not patient. In that moment, we are not under the Spirit's control. In that moment, we are being led of the flesh and not of the Spirit. So in that moment, when I feel that impatience and I look around at people who are starting to kind of flip out at a long line or something, <coughs> excuse me, I, I, I realize in that moment, I am not being filled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's still in my life. He hasn't left. He's still there. But it's, it's like I, I've, I've turned off the valve. I, I, I've said, no, Holy Spirit, right now, I'm going to be in control of my mind. I'm going to be in control of my heart. I'm going to be in control of my brain. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be persnickety. I'm going to be impatient. I'm going to express myself. Uh, when you're like that, friend, that is an indicator of not being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a continual thing that, that happens now. Back again over in chapter 5 of Ephesians where it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 18. We have just studied a, a similar passage. Here's the passage in Ephesians. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the Spirit. A, a parallel passage to this. Uh, is found in Colossians, the third chapter. Let me take you there, because the language is very, very similar, where it speaks about the indwelling or filling. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. You go back over to... Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, it talks about this same thing, admonishing and teaching each other, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The filling of the Spirit, uh, some make completely synonymous with the filling of the Word of God, letting the Word of God fill in you. I do think 
personally that there is a link. That when we allow ourselves to be filled with the Word of God by the study and by by meditating upon, chewing upon, listening to the Word of God, that helps us to be filled with the Word of God so that now we can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. I do think that those things do come together. Don, we got more stuff going on over there in the... uh, in the YouTube, maybe you're already over there. I'm just, it's popping up on my screen. I'm just letting you know that there's some stuff going on that we got to get uh, cleared out of there. So thanks. All of this, I, I don't think I'm going to go uh, and, and complete what I had intended to complete in the book of Ephesians today. We need to understand, friends, the, the working of the Spirit. We need to understand the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and go and empower people for service and then would leave people for for service. Uh, But for us in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is given as that deposit, as that guarantee, as that one who who gives us the absolute certainty of of our, our, our joint inheritance with Christ. So indwelling, filling, grieving, quenching, the guiding of the Holy Spirit, the the, the comforting, the counseling of the Holy Spirit is referenced over in the book of John uh, for us. Let me see if I can put my finger on those verses for you uh, and show them to you. Uh, And we're going to make this morning, I guess, about... uh, the theological works, uh, understanding of the works of the Holy Spirit. Um, John 15, verse 26, and there are a couple of uh, verses here. John 15, 26, when the counselor comes, and that is a reference to the Holy Spirit, he will counsel you. You need guidance on, on trying to make decisions. I mean, the guidance you're looking for I mean, the answer is not directly in the Bible. So in this sense, you are looking for the Holy Spirit to, to, to guide you uh, into what you need to do. Um, I will show you some other verses. But the counselor, the idea he counsels you, counsels you about you're trying to make a business decision. Uh, and, and you're looking for the Spirit to give you guidance. I mean, it doesn't say in the Bible, make this business decision. Uh, it doesn't uh, make say in the Bible um, uh, sell this product to this person. Uh, it doesn't say in the Bible uh, some of those. It doesn't say in the Bible work this job. Uh, and, and we do rely on the Holy Spirit to internally give us guidance uh, in those things. So, so I do see a more active role of the working of the Holy Spirit uh, than some might conclude. Some are just so black and white, but where's the role of the Holy Spirit that Jesus talks about here to be our counselor? He will testify about me. Now, again, uh, things that, that people say, well, this is the Holy Spirit. Well, it needs to be pointing to Jesus. I mean, it always points back to Jesus uh, in, in what the Holy Spirit does. But this verse, the counselor he is called. Uh, let me uh, go to chapter 16. And these are words Jesus is speaking uh, to his disciples. This is kind of that Thursday night prior to the crucifixion, prior to the uh, prior to uh, when he would be betrayed and would be arrested. Uh, verse 6, 
Verse 7, I'm sorry, says this. I tell you the truth. It is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send you to I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin and regard uh, convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin, because men do not believe me in regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world stands judge. Verse 13 says this, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Uh, All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take what is mine and make known to you the the role of the Holy Spirit helping us to to understand and know the mind of God. Um, So those are some passages. The Holy Spirit guiding us into all truth. The Holy Spirit reminding us uh, of the truth of God's Word the workings of the Holy Spirit on our behalf. Friends, we, we have we, we have been given the great commission, uh, and, and that is to make Christ known. But before we were given the great commission, we were given the great commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And as we live that out, that gives us the ability then, as we love God and love our neighbors, that gives us the ability to fulfill the great commission But we're not left to do it on our own. We have the great commandment, the great commission, but we have a great companion to empower us for that service, and he is the Holy Spirit who is given as that permanent seal, who is given as that teacher, who is given as that counselor, who is given as that empowerer for the things that we need to do. So, all of that comes out of those two verses over in the book of Acts, uh, chapter chapter one. Now it doesn't all come out of these verses, but but the teaching regarding the Holy Spirit uh, coming out of out of those uh, is where we took off into this morning. And I'm going to go back and retitle this morning's broadcast. And I guess that next week on monday we will pick back up uh in verse 15 uh and look at the prayer that paul prayed uh for uh the believers there in ephesus well anyway uh, i i do say good morning to uh to everybody that uh, has joined with us during this live portion uh we know that that there are many other people who listen later on in the day and uh so we We're glad to have you, whether you were here during the live time uh, or whether you're listening in later. Uh, it's our prayer. It is our hope that uh, that the teaching of the Word of God has been clear for you. It's been instructive. It's been helpful. Uh, it has been something that uh, uh, will garrison your Christian life and help you to live for the glory of Christ. Now, I I said in this verse, verse 14, it says, to the praise of his glory. I think that's just something to make a part of our daily lives that would say to the praise of his glory. So, uh, anyway, kind words here at at the end, in the comments, uh, 
uh, Fran saying thanks for Rusty Chapel, our church family, and and uh, for uh, for Wendy, Joe, and I being here. Very kind words, thank you, and uh, much, very much appreciated, Fran. Uh, your kindness is always. You are an immensely kind person, and and we give thanks for you, friends. I'm going to let you get into your day. Uh, I I want to encourage you to to live life in the spirit today as we have studied today uh, and that uh, we all would live to the praise of God's glory regardless of what we do today. Keep keep folks in prayer. Uh, uh, those that are, are walking with uh, loved ones and the journey uh, to their eternal home uh, up to the gates, uh, I just want to encourage you to be be praying. I I really thought last night we were going to see one perhaps uh, cross through the gates, and uh, as far as I know, that has not happened, uh, but very, very close, and uh, it's a rejoicing. Uh, uh, I, I won't say more than that. I just want to encourage us to be prayerful, mindful uh, of those that uh, are, are going through the challenging times of life. Lord, we do pray for those that uh, need comfort, give them your comfort. Those that need direction, give direction. Those that need strength, give strength. Uh, Lord, we pray for those that are exhausted, that you would renew them. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Help them to wait upon you, that their strength would be renewed. Father, we pray for the people in Ukraine and uh, Hungary and Romania and Poland and uh, the, the, the surrounding countries around Ukraine, that, uh, Lord, uh, you would give aid, provide supplies, and that, Lord, you would end this war. Lord, we ask all these things today in Jesus' name, and and as has been put in the comments, we all conclude, Lord, hear our prayer. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you again tomorrow.